The problem with critiquing whatever it is that Omar Khan does within the salary cap is that only Omar knows how much he actually has or doesn't have. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll take the time to check out in the same place that you found this. A linebacker was added, and it's funny how this works now. I bring up a subject on that day's show, and within a few hours, something really significant happens as a result. We've now had three of those days in a row, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Monday, I asked what was going on with Cam Sutton. Lunchtime. Cam's gone. Tuesday. I wonder what, if anything, might come of the offensive line, or if this team is really exactly that settled, or if they're going to wait for the draft, and boom, Nate Herbig comes along. And yesterday, not to be outdone, the actual title of the episode was, What About Linebacker? And what do you know? Along came Cole Holcomb from Washington on a three-year contract. A player that's seen by most observers as an upgrade over Robert Spillane, who'd been lost. But the the idea that he's going to be a slash the starter remains to be seen, though we're likely to learn a lot more as the Steelers have called a press conference for this afternoon to introduce all of their newly signed free agents. So those guys certainly have been told what their expectations are uh, and what their roster outlook is for this coming season. And that'll be interesting to hear, but it's not likely going to answer a couple of things that I'm going to bring up on today's show. Number one, is this it? And while that sounds like a denigrating remark, about the players who've been either signed or retained yet, and I should be mentioning as well the retention of Larry Ogunjobi, DeMonte Casey. I don't believe that anyone's going to take this group that's been amassed over these first few days of the week excessively seriously as some sort of excellent free agency hall unless... There's more fortification to the defensive line unless there's some kind of splash at some position. And I know that's not fair. GMs should not be judged by their ability to produce splash. They're not in the entertainment business. And what we, any of us, thinks about signings or how much they get us excited doesn't matter nearly as much as how the team fares in terms of wins and losses. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. But the inside linebacker position, and I'm not going to go back on this now, really kind of needed some pizzazz. Between Miles Jack, Devin Bush, and Spillane, you had almost none. 
They didn't get to the backfield. They didn't force fumbles. They didn't get interceptions. They didn't have passes defensed. They, especially Jack, were solid at certain things. And they were able to wrap and tackle and so forth. But in the modern NFL, your defense needs an inside linebacker who can do some things. Kind of like, well, you know, the one they've been trying to replace for half a decade now. Holcomb, for all the positives that dot his resume, and there are a lot of them, and he is an athlete. And at 26 years old, he might have an opportunity, a little bit of room, to still get better. But when I think of things that could have made that defense, and maybe still could make that defense something that's special, something that takes the foundation of T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Cam Hayward and augments it and makes it dangerous on multiple levels, I really feel like that needed to happen there. Now, could it still? Sure. Need I remind anyone that there are three picks in the top 50 in the coming draft, 17, 32, and 49. And any one of those three going to an inside linebacker spot, including potentially the highest one, should, and I do mean should, not like a hope, but an expectation, result in someone who steps right onto your field in Latrobe as the starter, same way Shazier did. And if that happens, and if Joey Porter Jr. or another corner is had, then you start seeing some of this make sense. Unfortunately, You're possibly shoving rookies onto the field, but I'll say it again. When you're talking about first-rounders, even second-rounders, that's expected. That's what you'd better be aiming for when you're scouting. Yeah, to some extent, you want to have it in your head. Hey, this player, if we bring him in and we get him into NFL shape, uh, he's not there now, but he'll be there in two years. You do want to keep things like that into consideration, but you also would much rather have them just playing right away. If you take all of that context and you can somehow find it in you to be patient, to wait another six weeks to see what comes of picks 17, 32, and 49, not to mention all the rest, maybe, maybe, maybe there will be something there that makes Cole Holcomb look like, oh yeah, that's exactly the guy you'd want there. That's perfect. Right now it's not there. Right now it's not. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Doug, who asks, the old bromide was that the Steelers don't dabble in free agency because they want to draft their type of players. But the last couple of years, with money freed up from Ben Roethlisberger's contract and other things, they've been spending like sailors on leave. So was the old bromide ever true, or were they just too strapped to spend? The idea that the Steelers are cheap 
comes up on occasion. It really does. I can't begin to understand how, unless it was spending on coordinators or not even assistant coaches, because they're all paid about the same across all 32 teams. Coordinators can have a pretty big gap in there. So other than an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, no one is ever going to be able to make an argument that the Steelers are cheap. I guess maybe I could because they leave those horrible white tents out on the riverfront. Just, you know, build something there. Put something there or just take those horrible tents down. They're such an eyesore. You know what I'm talking about. The ones uh, on the on the river's front there, as you get past the, the little bridge there, they used to be Myron Cope's cabana or whatever, just filthy white, just, ah! Anyway, that's cheap. But if you want to talk about cheap, and you didn't, Doug, so I'm not going at you here. If you want to talk about cheap as it relates to players, how? There's a salary cap. They spend up to the cap almost every year. And the years in which they don't, it's deliberate, meaning they want to leave themselves some kind of uh, leeway for if there's a major injury, you can still make a trade of some kind. That's, that's nothing to do, really, with money. The cap's the cap. It's the same for all 32 teams. So did the Steelers have money freed up? Of course, by not having a franchise quarterback in the fold, a veteran franchise quarterback in the fold. Ben was right around the 15-20 range in the final years of his career, deservingly so, based on the market. And a lot of payroll goes to one player in that setting. So if he's not there, you're going to be able to go and get yourself, you know, another two, three guys maybe in free agency. That's it. That's why they were able to go out and get James Daniels and Mason Cole just like that when free agency opened last year. That's how they've been able to make a couple of signings this year, including keeping Larry Ogunjobi. But I got to tell you, I don't think they're spending, uh, how did you put it, like sailors on leave? Because if they were, they'd be doing it irresponsibly within the cap. And if they were going to do that, and they very, very, very evidently wanted to keep Cam Sutton, they would have said, listen, we're ready to go. Three years and, I don't know, 25, 26 million. Let's just say for the heck of it, 27 million to keep him. Most of the projections were three and 25. Cam ends up getting three and 33. So your difference is, in terms of average hit on a cap, is the 11 million that Cam is getting now versus the eight or nine that he'd have gotten from the Steelers. They could have done that. They could have done that. You can always find under the pillow another million or two million, or you can go and restructure people. So if you were going to accuse the Steelers of any sort of behavior as it relates to spending on that front alone, I would accuse them of having undercut Sutton when they didn't need to, and then in haste and in a reactionary mode, go out and get Patrick Peterson. So when you see them start to make moves based on, got to get this guy, got to get this guy, or got to keep this guy, got to keep this guy, and they spend something that they don't feel lines up with the rest of their budget, that's when you start thinking that they're spending a whole heck of a lot. But the idea of 
cheap or spending or whatever, they end up at the same dollar figure every year. They just do. I appreciate the question, Doug. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.